Hour number two, Puck and Gas, live from the Carter Volkswagen studio. Curtis Crabtree, the great Curtis Crabtree at 1120. He was out of Druids on Friday. I don't know if he was playing. I think he was he was on the back nine. He was hitting guys' tee shots. So I never never saw him. We were on the front nine. You never made it to the back? It's only a nine-hole uh, hole. Yeah, it's a nine-hole two-man scramble. So half I the group see. goes in the front and half the group goes on the back. That seems wrong that you didn't get to see Curtis. I know. I love seeing Curtis. Uh, 12-20, we'll talk to Tim Booth from Russia. He claims he's covering the World Cup. Yeah, we, That's uh, what he says. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Sure seems odd that all of a sudden this guy who's just kind of mild mannered is off in Russia for three weeks. I t- I was texting with him this morning. I don't you know. I was like, what's the difference? Is it eight hours, nine hours? No, it's ten hours. And but then he called me Robert. Uh huh. <laughs> like, is that what he said? He's like Robert. I can't talk right now. I'm like, yeah. he said, oh no no wrong wrong text thread. There's a lot of craziness out there in the world right now. So I don't know. I'm not sure what he's doing in Russia, but he claims he's covering the World Cup. I would say as just a, a, an innocent bystander of watching from afar, it's been quite compelling. The World Cup's been right? great theater the first few days. It's how, been great. How about that ta- take there, Jackson? It's a great take. Huh? It's, it's, it's fantastic. The soccer has been... Just back and forth entertaining as all. Well, you weren't with us on Friday because you were ditching to, to drink and hang out at the <laughs> That's beach right. That's right. and claim that you were helping Such your a wife. Nice day. Uh, we watched and I, we, hell, we played half of it. <laughs> well, not half of it. We just brought it up. It was a great match between Portugal and Spain. Yeah. Oh, that was that was uh, an all timer. Yeah. Jackson, do you think what we're seeing here is the? And I, I don't. I expect one of the teams we think is going to win the World Cup. I mean, one of the big ones, even though they they stumbled a little bit. I think that's still what's going to happen. But are we seeing a little bit of a shortening of the gap around the world that some of these other countries can now step on to, step yeah. into a match and say, no, we can play with these guys? Bruce Arena, former U.S. Men's National Team coach, and I talked about that exact thought uh, when, we, when we spoke on Friday. You're going to hear mm-hmm. tomorrow on Saunders Weekly. And, Ooh, uh, shameless plug. There you go right yeah. there. That's what, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what time is that tomorrow? 7 to 8 p.m. here on 7 to 8 p.m. Bruce uh, So as other leagues, including MLS, get better around the world, that gap between the best leagues, the Premier League, you know, Liga MX, etc., as uh, Liga, La Liga as well, as the gap between MLS and those leagues and other leagues around the world, China, Chinese League, Super League, they get smaller. And mm-hmm. as those gaps get smaller, the players get better, and thus you see teams like a Switzerland. They have very good players on them now that can yeah. compete with a Brazil. So you see a 1-1. Mexico has a whole bunch of great players, not household names because they don't play in those big-time leagues. They had an earthquake. But the, the quality's getting yeah. better, and yeah. that's why you see them being able to use utilize a whole bunch of speed and win one nothing. So, great games. Alright, we uh, so Dave Tippett, we, we, I've teased this enough, we should probably talk about it. Dave Tippett has been hired by the new NHL group here in Seattle. By old, uh, by the by the Liwickies. Dave Tippett, if you don't know, he's a former coach of the of the Coyotes, very successful coach, a great long run. Yeah, there. and he's been now. He kind of left because the ownership group. I mean, you know the story in, in Phoenix. It's just it's not working. It's probably never going to work because they their ownership group is a mess down there. Their relationship with the city is a mess. They have an arena mess. The whole thing. So former Coyotes coach has been hired by the NHL group. His role is a senior advisor. So what is a senior advisor? He's going to basically kind of oversee everything, kind of some day to day operations. But in, I think it was an interview with, with Jeff Baker of the Times, he's not closed the door. He could potentially be the coach. Right, right. So, which is kind of, this is kind of their first big hire, really, uh, after, um, Todd came on board. 
This is kind of their real big first hire that, that Dave, Tippett, uh, Dave Tippett, a guy that you know, uh, now is going to be working with the organization. He may actually be the coach for this team. And whether he becomes the coach or not, immaterial for the time being, it's a good hockey mind to have. Yeah. It, it, you know, Again, this is all natural that they're going to be building an organization. They, in theory, are going to be playing games here in a few years, although now we've got a, now we've got a oh, challenge, maybe. Yeah. It's not a lawsuit yet, but maybe a challenge to the EIS process that may or may not Throw things off track. We'll have to wait and see. We still, we, there's still a lot about this we don't know. Did we have a bet on that one? You and me? Did we have a bet? Didn't I bet someone a dollar around here mm. that I was like, it's not going to open up on time? You may have. I mean, look, look you, you wouldn't have bet me on that because I'm not, I am never betting on this region's ability to, to, to stumble down the stairs in times of crisis. So Tippett's going to join Ian today at 2 o'clock, right? That'll be Jackson? good. That'll 2 be o'clock good. today. Dave Tippett, who's been hired by the new NHL group, will join Furness today. Uh, two o'clock right here on nine fifty KJR. Yeah, so that was a bit of piece of news over the weekend. Was that Saturday that it came out? It was front page A one. Mm, yeah, above the fold, as they like to say in the newspaper business. There's a group uh, that is not suing them yet, but is is looked at the EIS that uh, and on behalf of two apartment complexes around Key Arena uh, that they have not fulfilled the EIS. That they need to redo it again well, and look at it and. It it comes Good down to, to do you think Key Arena is a public venue? If so, then they say you have to consider other sites. Well, or is it a privately financed venue since the I think that's it, since the yes. money is coming from yes. a private side. Well, and that's why I think it's great. So, but the big story is in the whole thing, mm, right? Is that the attorney for these two apartment complexes, this land use attorney, mm -hmm. works at the same firm that Hanson's public land use attorney works for as well mm -hmm. yeah now they all say uh roland fatlin who is the uh, spokesperson for hansen and people associated with the apartment complexes say this has nothing to do with chris hansen mm -hmm. that it's there have no association at all now okay so we take him for the word that they have that there's nothing going on that chris hansen and his his lawyer have nothing going on with the same the, the lawyer that works at his yeah, the same firm the same firm exactly. now it's a big firm it's possible and, and it's possible that they work they cover a bunch of different i would yeah. assume they cover a bunch of different issues in the city right. i'd be naive not to think that they probably have they were aware before this was filed yeah, that right. Hanson's group knew what was going on if he's not yeah. directly involved he may be indirectly involved with this it, it almost feels know. like if he didn't know if they didn't know what the hell are they doing you know i mean they say they still want to be involved in the process and and it'll be interesting to see cuz Fatland very well, you know denied it so no 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 we have nothing to do with this if it comes out that they did, will anybody care? As a society right now, we're in this strange time in history where lies don't seem to matter at all anymore. They're told every day by everyone about everything, and, and the truth has become so murky in a lot of other stories that they may have just free able to say, we don't know, and if it comes out later, we do. So what? People don't seem or, to mind anymore. Yeah, or, or we believe them. Or we believe them, right. We right. Say that it's they, possible. They, they had no idea. And I guess that's the, here's the one thing I didn't listen I the one thing I didn't like about the reporting on this was the innuendo that Hanson knew about it in the reporting. It's not mm -hmm. your job as a reporter to, to to volley in your personal opinion in a report like this. Mm -hmm. And that's what was suggested. Was it was it in the yeah, actual? Yeah, it was suggested. It was suggested that it was Hanson is where, 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 behind what, what, do you, what do you say? I, I don't know. I'll, I'll pull up the, the original no, story. No, that's fine. I thought you maybe had it. But, but you know, any, it's, anyway, it's certainly plausible but for I'm, anybody reading it to think, yeah, sure. there's a chance they know. I'm not going to be naive that to say that I don't, he may have, he may have knowledge of this, right, and that he may be behind, may be behind this. But unless you know for sure, 
for sure that Hanson's group is behind this, then I think it's a little irresponsible to sit there and hint at it. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. I don't know. And yeah, if it comes out later that they were and then they denied it, yeah, that's going to look bad on their part. But then there's also, but will, but will people care? I guess is my point. Does well, anybody care about that kind of stuff anymore? Well, but then there's also, well, but I think people won't care for a different reason than than I think you think. I think people won't care in this city because he got screwed over immensely, mm-hmm. and so he's you know he's he's trying to do whatever he can to get his project up, and if he's screwing over the city, well, it's a city that screwed over him. I mean, they, they uh, this ridiculous vote or this ridiculous situation of Occidental. I mean, they lied in that vote for Occidental to, right. to not to not give him Occidental Street. They've just closed down the damn street now. That's why you can't it, yeah. use it because yeah. they build that overpass. Right. I mean, that's why like I say Sir Rollin Fatlin, a spokesman for Hanson's Arena Group, said Friday the group had nothing to do with the latest submission. If it turns out they did have something to do with it, I don't think anybody's going to care that he said that. I just don't think people. I don't think we're holding anybody to any kind of high standard anymore in these kind of things. And for, you, know, you just as you just pointed out, Hanson's group was down there trying to get something done, and they got lied to about stuff. Yeah, I. Th- yeah, I think it's their. I think some are not going to care because they feel that he has been screwed over immensely by the city, mm-hmm. and that they're that he's doing everything in his power mm-hmm. um, legally, and and that that would justify to, if his spokesman just, yeah. had to tell a lie about it. So what? Yeah, probably. Yeah, no. I, yeah. Look, I think. Look, Buck. I think you're raising yeah. a pretty interesting point here. And, and I, I think that combined with the other thing, the other insinuation that this is a society, we just don't seem to care yeah. anymore would be what people but tell us. But I would us. agree. It probably won't be a good look. Won't I mean, be a good if, look. If, but people, if, if he says, hey, we didn't have any involvement, but then it comes back later, they did. Yeah. Yeah, it, it won't look good for him. I, I agree. Yeah. And and what could end up happening is if this thing gets gets messier, it could throw off the NHL trying to bring a team oh, yeah. in. Of and then that's going to end up being, a, you know. Now, I think there's a long way to go to get to that. I think it's more likely this is going to be used as a negotiating ploy to get something yeah. from OVG for either the neighborhood. Sure. I, I don't think this is going to be as big a deal as, as maybe I, we're making it out to here's be Here's what right I just now. don't like about it. it. It's the way I was insinuating in the article that his people knew but what I, and then I don't like the reaction of groups like these NHL groups that are working with with OVG mm-hmm. that are just jumping to the conclusion that Hanson did this. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's wrong. Let's look. He may have had something. I don't know. Right. But let's let let's let this process play out. Let's let if those guys investigate and they find out he did. Then we'll then we'll see it. And if you don't think this is mainly about lawyers and and less about the public, there was one public comment on the EIS, right? And that one, this, no. this is this is lawyers stirring it up, man. Yeah. Which is why I think this is more about negotiation than yeah. any kind of big groundswell over there of people saying we need to. You know, there's one person that went out of their way to comment on the whole EIS but process. It, yeah, but it, it could delay. What the worst thing would be, it would delay the start of the construction, which would, would delay the timeline. And of the NHL, NHL might say we're not. We're going to go to Quebec. We're going to go. Yeah. Sign, even though geographically, I didn't what we want to do. We got to move forward. We can't wait I've for you to felt, get your stuff together over there. I always thought this thing has gone too smoothly. Yeah, well, in this it, city. yeah, it 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 still has, you know. We still got to get this plane off the ground, man. We're just sitting at the end of the runway. The great Curtis Crabtree joins us next. Talk a little M's, talk a little C's. Our 950 KJR Ace Reporter. Now back to Puckett and the Gas Man on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR, entertaining sports talk. All righty, here we go. Our weekly visit with our guy. Right now on the world-famous, the star-studded Beacon Plumbing Hotline is our guy, Curtis Crabtree. Curtis Crabtree, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? What's going on, guys? 
Uh, how was your Friday? What uh, You were on hole number 10, right? And people got to use was. your drive. And how, how did that go for you? Did you put many drives in the middle of the fairway? Yeah, I, I put a lot of drives in the fairway, and then Bucky hit several way beyond mine. Really? Now, some of them went, went yeah, like about, you know, 40 degrees right or left, right. you know, on certain occasions. But um, the few times that, you know, when Bucky gets it right, it goes up. Freaking mile. Is that's a that's the is ten the long par four right with the water on the right? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's yep. a poke. Yeah. Did now let me ask you, Curtis. What, what did it cost when I pulled up to get her? Either yeah. you or Bucky to hit a shot for me? Well, you could pay five bucks to get one of us to hit a shot, mm. or if you gave us ten, all three of us would, and you could pick the best of the lot. Okay. Right? Okay. So, now, did did anybody get tight with a buck there, or did they did because, <laughs> because I used to do a golf tournament, and we did the sure. same thing, and people would come through, and there was always a handful of guys saying, oh. "Well, no," and I'm like, well, "What are you here for? What is yeah. the point of you being here if you're not going to play some of the games? Were, were guys anting up, or was anybody tight with a buck?" Most of the groups went ten. And, That's and a good job, all three guys. Of us. Partly because, partly because I think they wanted to see the comedy aspect of watching Slick hit. In addition to, oh, sure. the drive out there for him. Did he put any so, in the fairway? Oh yeah, yeah. Did no, he? he he was he was hitting about a fifty percent oh, margin there. You know, he'd either me. tow one straight into the water, or he'd mm. hit this runner that would just skip down there about two hundred yards straight down the middle. So, you know, I put a number bad. of I put a number of those in the water on ten. So he was on 10, and you still didn't go out to see him. That would have been like right out of the clubhouse, but you didn't have time to work Curtis oh, into your I, day, I, huh? Would, would Puck, Puck made it sound like you were out on 16 or something. He says, no, I never saw Curtis. He was on the back nine doing it. You were on the 10th oh, tee? Yeah, but I was. we played the yeah, front. Yeah, 10th tee. You played the front. Well, when you get done with nine, 10 is right there. No, I was, but then I had to work the room. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, you did. We got to shake hands. <laughs> I needed to go in the van and pass out. Uh, did um, oh man? Did, how much did they? Did you ever figure out what your longest drive was? No, but uh, the last group that went down there came back and said, "Yeah, there's like a cluster of 15 balls out there. I assume they're all yours." So nice. I was somewhere probably the the fairway was pretty hard, so I got extra rollout I don't deserve. So mm. it was probably around 280 or so. Mm. Mickelson, if you're uh, the rules official, USGA. Uh, Curtis Crabtree, disqualify him, yes or no? Oh, God, I've gone back and forth on it all the way. I, I think you probably have to disqualify him. Yeah. Um, just because who knows how many shots he takes to get down there. He stays right. in the tournament, which then affects, you know, finishing order of different players throughout the rest of the, the tournament, who gets paid, what, what guys get paid, you know, Ryder Cup points, all the, you know, the, there's so much more that goes into it than just that particular putt. And for him to say whether it was accurate or not, because I think he probably switched position on it, that it was intentional and he thought about doing it for a long time, ah, it doesn't sit particularly great with me. So uh, you probably have to disqualify him at that point. So, What do you think of the overall tournament, Curtis? And it's easy to throw uh, you know throw darts at it right now, but I mean, good Lord, the, the course, it was just what happened in 2004 out there where the courses, they say, got away from us. Uh, Saturday was kind of a joke. Sunday they poured half the Atlantic Ocean on it, and suddenly we got guys going out there, you know, looking like Johnny Miller and shooting a sixty-three. Uh, it, it just—it seems like the USGA has to have a good long look in the mirror after this and say, "Okay, we want to make it hard, but we got to keep it under control." Or do they? Is all hey, all's well that ends well, and it was—it it provokes a lot of conversation. What do you, what's your overall view of this? Well, I think three of the four rounds were pretty solid, all considered. Saturday certainly got away from them, and it's almost a mirror image of what happened back in the 70s when you had 
Um, you know, you had Johnny Miller shoot 63 on Sunday at Oakmont and 73, and then winged foot was a massacre the next year um, where Hale Irwin won at seven over par. Um, and it felt like this was kind of, you know, they went into this wanting it to be a bit of a, a, a change from what was last year when Brooks Kepka won in the, you know, what was it, 14 under or something mm-hmm. like that a year ago at Aaron Hills, and they wanted to get back to a number that looked a little bit more reasonable. And certainly they let it get get away from Saturday uh, a little bit in the afternoon. I, I don't know what the solution was because early on Saturday there were some scores that were posted. And it seemed like the course was in pretty good shape, but with the wind and the way that the course was that day, it just drained out and got rock hard, and nobody could, you know, nobody could hold a green at certain spots near the holes. A couple holes were in a little bit of a precarious situation, and obviously that got away from them at times, including Phil Mickelson. Um, The USGA just takes it right to the knife's edge all the time. And I think the the really disappointing part is that it, the I think the the casual fan comes away thinking that the courses look bad when this happens. It, you know, and it, it was a different instance that happened at, at Chambers Bay, but you know it was under their watch as well. Um, Shinnecock in two thousand four, uh, they take it right up to the limit, and sometimes that limit gets crossed, and you end up with situations like you had Saturday afternoon. And I think that's unfortunate. Curtis Crabtree he covers it all: baseball, football, golf. Uh... Formula One racing, he does it all for us. How was the uh, weekend at the ballpark? I mean, again, you're covering the game, and I get that. You want to get caught up in it. Uh, it's got to be fun, though, to cover a team in which you're getting 45000 a plus uh, at the game. Yeah, about the only time I can remember that the stadium was being that far in recent memory is usually filled with Blue Jays fans. Right. Um, so uh, certainly to see, you know, 46,000 written down on the scorecard of uh, fans in attendance, and certainly it wasn't all Boston fans or anything like that. There was certainly a pocket of them over the the top of the Red Sox dugout throughout the weekend, but in general, I felt it was pretty Mariners Mariners fan base. And you know, you win two of uh, two of four games against the Red Sox, played the series tremendously well. Three, what was it, three one uh, one run games throughout the weekend, which is obviously the norm for them, but. You know, good, you know, competitive baseball games. You take five or seven on a homestand against the, uh, you know, maybe your chief competitor for a playoff spot in the Angels and then play toe-to-toe with Boston through the weekend. It's, you know, it's all you can ask for at this point in time. And, you know, anybody I think that's still waiting to jump on the bandwagon and thinking that this is a pretty good baseball team, it's almost as though the, the playoffs in the American League are set, barring something right. catastrophic. It's going to be Boston, New York, Seattle, Houston, and somebody out of the Central. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Seattle is well on its way to being a playoff team. It's just a matter of what they'll be when they get there. Knock on wood, will you? Come on. The uh, you know, it. Uh, uh, Curtis, one of the reasons we get into this business, all of us, is we like telling stories, and there's no better story, and and we don't get carried away. There's still a lot of the season left, but no better story than Wade LeBlanc. And baseball's unique this way. I mean, I guess there's the occasional what you would call journeyman player in the NFL who gets lucky at the right time and his ability, you know, everything kind of works out. But it's pretty rare. Hardly ever happens in basketball. Baseball's unique this way that a guy like him who has had every opportunity to say enough, I'm going to go home. I got other things I can do time and time again has said, I'll fight through it, I'll find it, and now suddenly finds himself in the spotlight and delivering. It, it's it's really a cool story, isn't it? Yeah, it is, especially since we got to see him the last time he was here a couple of years ago in the same sort of boat. And, 
you know, he played well for them that year too. He helped keep them in that season yeah. until they ultimately couldn't get over the hump late later on. But he was a big reason that team continued to stay in the hunt um, up until the latter stages of the season too. And it's just because, you know, his fastball is 86 miles an hour. And he doesn't have overpowering stuff that I, it tends to be overlooked that he can pitch pretty solid. And so, um, you know, he's made trips. So he, he's been – Pitching in Japan, I believe, at one point in time, switching up and down between the minors. When they traded for him a couple of years ago, he was in AAA and came and saved the day for him. And certainly for him to go and throw into the eighth inning on Saturday against one of the best lineups in baseball and just be all over it, it's certainly a, a cool thing to see for sure. It reminds me, in some regards, that you, you mentioned the NBA. It reminds me of that kid, uh, Andre Ingram, I think his name is, who got, you know, toiled for 10 years in the D league and then played a couple games at the end of the season for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. That was, that was kind of a fun story this year for the same sort of reason. Yeah. He's, I mean, to, for what he did on Saturday against that lineup, I mean, you saw yesterday how potent that lineup can be and for what he did for, he, he throws junk ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's a junk ball pitcher and you know, it's you know, when he laughs afterwards about, man, I, I'm topping 86. But I, you know, we had him on, you know, last week or a couple of weeks ago. After, you know, I offended him by saying I should, we should feed his wife to um, the alligators because uh, she and puts he, ketchup on a steak. I, I want to say you didn't mean that. I, uh, I hasten to add, you uh, did not mean that in your heart of hearts. No, I did. I don't I think did. you did. I really. Uh, but he, you know, he. We asked him like, is it to your advantage you throw this way? Because the rest of the league doesn't. I mean, most of the rest of the league throws like Paxton, or you know, choose another starting pitcher that's throwing ninety six, ninety seven miles an hour. And you know, and he agreed. He said, "Yeah, I think I think so because the rest of the league offensively sees a, a different style of pitcher. You know, I'm kind of a throwback that uh, that it does help me, Curtis." Yeah, I mean, whether it's Jamie Moyer for all those years or Jason Vargas making the All Star mm-hmm. team last year for Kansas City, there's a few guys that have you know pretty pretty average you know life on their fastball and you know mid 80s sort of stuff, and then you know it's their ability to command the rest of the zone and. Um, use their breaking pitches effectively, mix and change speeds, and get around the get around it. Uh, you know, by being savvy, and when he is on top of it, he can he can do that even against one of the best lineups in baseball. Now, it will be interesting to see since he's going to face Boston again in just a few days on the next turn through the rotation mm-hmm. back in Fenway. It, you know how he holds up against it then as well, because that you know they'll, they will have had a chance to see him obviously just five days ago. Um, so that'll be an interesting benchmark to see how he handles that. But certainly, you know, there's not all that many people that pu- that play like he does and pitch like he does anymore. And so it is a, a little bit of a different kind of departure from, from the norm. That game Friday night, again, there's so much to unpack from the weekend. I mean, we can yeah. go back to Thursday night. And, I mean, Felix, I liked what I saw there. And, I mean, we're all kind of hoping sometimes against hope that, that Felix can can get it going again the way he did for years and years and years and as a different style pitcher. But then Friday night where they, they it was funny, Blowers said something on the telecast I thought it was really interesting, Curtis, and, and, and I think this is a phrase you'd use when you're playing the Red Sox and the Yankees because for whatever reason, those games always seem to take forever. And Blowers, when they're down, what was it? Was it six to, they're ahead three to nothing and then they're down six to three, six right? Three, yeah. Blauer says, says, and this is not a baseball phrase, he goes, there's a lot of time left in this game. And I thought it was, it's exactly right. The Red Sox take forever to, you don't get too discouraged. It's only the third inning. Normally you'd say, hey, there's still, you know, six Mm -hmm. points. 
and and I thought the M's did such a great job of of you know of, of recognizing that they almost did it again yesterday. They can't just come back. You know, I I get that, but this team believing in itself right now, Curtis, is a fun thing to see because that's such a huge in a sport where the best guys fail seven out of ten times. If you got a team that collectively believes in itself, that can shave that margin that much more in your favor. Yeah, and and you know Scott Service even talked about that after yesterday's game was that you know they they get behind there and get it back to I think it, what was it five two um, at one point in the middle of the game there yeah. they load mm-hmm. up the bases at one point um, and have a chance to do some damage and only get one run out of it but again they feel like they can get back into those sort of situations obviously it spiraled away from them a little bit late but that'll happen every now and again when you're playing a really good team. Um, and your your luck runs out a little bit because they have been a little bit lucky this year to win this many one run games and all of the like. But um, certainly they, there is a belief that they can be in every game that they're they're playing, no matter what the situation is, and find a way to come back. And that's you know I think that's pretty rare. You know there's there's been times in the past you you guys both know it that you know the Mariners fall behind two nothing in the first couple innings. That's it game over they like they weren't going to come out of those sort of situations that's just not not the case with this roster at all our uh, our ace reporter we call him the mike wallace of 950 kj curtis <laughs> crabtree joining us here on the beacon plumbing hotline now, one more question i want to then switch quickly to just to uh, the seahawks because they have announced training camp on the schedule for that i thought john morosi mlb.com i'm not sure if you've seen the article kind of wrote uh, he was talking about the m's and uh, you talk about a couple of trade possibilities for them, uh, Boyd out of Detroit and, and also uh, Jay Happ out of Toronto. But he was talking about Robinson Cano. And listen, here's the record that they've had since they haven't had Robinson Cano. Uh, he cites like a, a rival club official who said the Mariners with D. Gordon playing at second base uh, is more energy and they're a more complete team with him there. And then kind of hints at that there is going to be a robust debate over how much Robinson Cano plays uh, when he comes back to the team in August, what do you think their plan, or I just speculate, uh, of their plans going to be when when he comes back? We have a poll question out there about asking: Is he going to split time with Healy? Going to split time with Cruz? Should he play second base? Should he not play at all? Kind of surprised a lot of the votes saying he he shouldn't play at all. It's going to be interesting how they navigate these waters when he comes back. Well, I think he will play. I think he will play second base, but it won't be every day. I think they will find a way to, you know, at that point in the season, you know, you might want to give Nelson Cruz a couple of days off here and there. You let him DH a little bit. And obviously D has the flexibility to play some center field over that stretch as well. You probably lose a tick defensively, but you're, you know, if you're, if you're having D go back to center, you're basically having Robinson Cano replace Guillermo Heredia. And that is still a win for, for the offensive portion of the roster um, because Robinson is obviously a more productive offensive player than Guillermo Heredia is, and that would be the switch that you would make more often than not. Now, when you get down to the final week of the season, if you're not right in the mix of trying to get the, the, the division or a wild-card spot specifically or anything like that, I think you do go back to sitting Robinson Cano down the rest of the way and get back used to playing with the roster you're going to have in the playoffs since he's not going to be eligible to play. But I think, I think you absolutely play him when he gets back, and obviously second base is his position. And I think that, you know, you might lose a tick defensively with him there, but obviously D. Gordon's pretty has shown to be pretty solid in center field as well. So I don't think you lose a ton with the with the changeover. And um, he can certainly give you some pop in the lineup, and I think, you know, there's going to be a time where they're going to need that down here as well. 
the the argument against though putting him in second and then moving D back out to center and replacing Heredia in the lineup is that if they're still playing the way they are now in August, do you want to mess around that much, or do you say to Cano, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna play you some at first, we're gonna play you some at DH, but but you know why would we fix something that's not broken?" And that's a long way off. It's eight weeks from now. We'll see if they're still playing that way, Curtis. But if they are playing that way, I wonder how much that'll factor into what they want to do for for to to oppose your pretty logically and well laid out argument of why he should get back in the lineup. Well, we'll see if Houston loses any games between now and then. <laughs> they're not going to lose. Look, right at this, look yeah. at this schedule. They're not losing again. Till the all, till yeah, the I mean, they got a pretty lax schedule specifically before the All-Star break. I think it's uh, the easiest schedule in baseball up until that point. Um, and so, I mean, the, the the question really becomes, like, where are you at um, in mid-August when, when he's able to come back anyway? If you're eight, game, eight, nine games behind the Astros for the division at that point, because that's just the way it shakes out or anything like that, then I don't know if it matters so much how you kind of handle it and figure out uh, the best way to kind of manage your personnel till the end of the season. Uh, there, there's going to be options that they have available, but I don't think just having him continue to sit the rest of the season is going to be the route that they go. Uh, all right. Uh, one quick thing just on the Seahawks. They made their announcement. The uh, training camp beginning July 26th will conclude uh, August 16th. Uh, fans interested in uh, attending Seahawks training camp, presented by Safeway, much, uh, must register through the team's website uh, beginning on Thursday, June 21st at 10 a.m., so that will be sold out by like 10.02, I would assume. But training camp's almost here, Curtis. Your your summer of fun is almost over. It's not almost here, Puck. Don't even go there. That's six weeks, okay? I'm going to take advantage of it. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, you, I'll see you Thursday. You will. A lot of money on the line. A lot of money online. Okay. He and I, Curtis, have got it. We got a golf match. Oh, is that right? I'm gonna take down match Curtis. play. Yeah, I'm going to take him down. Wow. Hundred dollars a hole, Curtis. <laughs> I'm okay. on. I'm on. I'm on Bovada right now. Curtis <laughs> is like minus take, six thousand. Curtis, uh, trust me. Take Curtis. <laughs> All right, Curtis. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you guys. There he is, uh, Curtis Crabtree, our, our ace reporter at 950 KJR. All right. We come back. We will uh, reset. And uh, our daily poll question, it's been a fantastic turnout on our daily poll question about Robinson Cano. What should the Mariners do with Robinson Cano when he comes back? Split time at first base with Ryan Healy. Split time with Nelson Cruz at DH. Play second base or don't play at all. Now back to Puck It in the Gas Man on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Entertaining sports talk. Live to Omaha right now. A pitcher that's a pretty comfortable at bat. Beavers and Huskies scoreless. Top of the third inning. There we go. That's exciting. There we go. Beavers have one on. There's one out, and it's a 1-1 count. Should have put this on 950 KJR purple sheet, but instead, Mm -hmm. it's on 1090 KJR if you'd like to listen. And then not support us, and therefore my kids, we won't get ratings. And then, therefore, my kids can't go to college and uh, we'll be fired. And maybe that's what you want. It's sad. So if that's what you want, you want us to get fired from our jobs because our ratings are in the tank. My kids can't go to college anymore because we don't have a job. I eventually leave my family and become addicted to glue. Glue, uh, huh? That's yeah. where that's where it's going to go. Glue, yeah, sniffing glue, gas, sniffing glue. It's a cheap way. I think it's a cheap high. Yeah, and a uh, thing of Elmer's is a dollar fifty. I think you're going to need something stronger than Elmer's. I don't think Elmer's is going to do it for you. You're going uh, to need rubber to get, cement. Yep, rubber it's like the, cement. Uh, it was the airplane glue, right? Well, that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
I, I'm no expert here, but I think the Huskies have gotten out of every inning with a double play, I believe. I think they've had three right. innings. I think they've turned three double plays. There you go. So 1090 KJR, your home of Husky baseball. Also your home if you don't want to support 950 KJR and ruin our lives. <laughs> ruin our you lives, damn you. Uh, our poll question, a great turnout so far on the poll question day. What should the Mariners do with Robinson Cano when he returns? Hashtag Mariners. Uh, your options split uh, first base duty with Ryan Healy. Uh, split uh, designator uh, hitter duty with Nelson Cruz. Play second base. Don't play at all. Yeah, well, that, that doesn't. I mean, if you're saying that, you're letting your anger at Cruz or at uh, at Cano override logic because it doesn't make any sense to have a talent like this and not use him. I mean, the only I, reason I the only reason I put that in there, and I'll, I'll just tell you, the, no, there's so a lot of people that believe that, though. Yeah, yeah. So the voting is 37 percent say split time with Healy, 15 percent say split time with Cruz, 25 percent say play second base. Go back to your original position. 23 percent say don't play at all. Right. The only reason I put that in there, and the reason this is um, John Morosi, who works for Fox and also MLB.com, you see him on uh, MLB uh, TV, had when one of his, you know, he was like here. He was talking about the Mariners, their 24-9 best record in the major leagues, and he said there are two truths in this snap, blah, blah, blah. And he, the second one, he just writes, hey, there's going to be, you know, in, in the organization, there's going to be a robust debate on how much Cano uh, ought to play when he returns. I don't – I bring that up, not play at all, because I'm not – I don't think John Morosu, I think has a pretty good relationship with this team, mm-hmm. is just saying – Himself, I think there's going to be a robust debate. I think he's kind of intimating that there's some within the organization are going to have an internal debate of of how much they feel that he should play. I think that that yeah, I, I and maybe maybe I'm missing the point here. The thing I would say is, look, if he if this was the last year of his deal, then yeah, that'd be a real factor. Maybe even if there was one year left on his deal, I said we just don't care how he feels. They've got a lot of time left with this guy, yeah. and I, and I think again. We had the discussion earlier, and you dialed out that you know maybe service is just going to want to keep things the same, and you know, why would you change things? And then as I said, well, a lot of times the guy wants something; he wants as many weapons as he can get. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. It, it it will be interesting to see how they all fall because, especially since we know that Depoto has opened the door to this discussion by indicating, look, yeah. there's there's nothing guaranteed for him when he gets back. He told Softy, I mean, he told Softy and Fane. Well, I think yeah. it was at Jimmy's in first. I'm, I'm sure if we have the audio, I'm going to throw Jackson off here, but if Jackson could find it, I mean, he tells him in that interview. Year, but there's like eight, no, we, four weeks ago, right yeah. when this happens to Cano. The injury nine and the years ago, he told Softy and Fane nine years ago, <laughs> there's no guarantee he's going to get his job back. Here, Here is the audio. When Robinson Cano comes back in August, does he automatically go back to second base? Sometimes. A lot depends. I'm going to give you an honest answer. D. Gordon is playing second base. He'll also play a little center field from time to time. When Robinson Cano comes back, you know, Robbie might get a DH day. We are intending to compete for the postseason. Robinson can't play in the postseason. Right. Therefore, we have to keep D. Gordon connected with second base. I mean, he left every, he put everything out on the table there. Yeah, and I, and I think... The, it, you know, for for Gordon, one, and I agree with his assessment, you know, this one rival club official who said, who told Morosi that the Mariners are a more complete team with Deed Gordon's energy and range at second base in place of Cano. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think there's, I don't know if you can argue that. I mean, he, I mean, I watched him yesterday or the day before make some plays that I just, I don't, Cano's not going to make anymore. Right. Can't make anymore. Right. He's a great second baseman. So keeping him there at second base as they make a run for the postseason, I think it, it makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. And then, 
there's no debate that with Heredia playing center field, okay, you get past sometimes with his bat, but he's a better defensive center fielder than than Gordon is. Right. A lot of it comes down to something else we've touched on, which is what what is Cano, and he has very little leverage in my opinion, but what is he willing yeah. to talk about and accept? Because if if you're willing to come back and look, you're, you're a different player now. You're a guy who's going to play maybe one day a week at second, one day a week as the DH, one or two days a week at first base. That's your role now. And, and that way you're giving guys days off and you're moving some guys around and he becomes like a utility guy. What a valuable weapon that could be. But I love the idea of saying, look, we're not going to have, we're not going to have D come back to A, learn how to play center, then come back to second. Now we're going to push him back to center. That's, that's wrong. I, yeah, I, why I like, should he have to be the one right. flopping all the way around? Right. He didn't do anything wrong. No, of course not. He didn't do anything. I just wanted to pull up. Where was he? Where was Kanoa? He was hitting, he was having fun. He was hitting 287, four home runs and 23 RBIs before he got suspended. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and the other thing too with him willing to accept that role, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I none of us know. Yeah, I mean, he could be right now. He could be telling the team behind the scenes, "I'll, I'll do anything." Yeah, whatever. What, yeah, whatever I want to be a part of us winning, and I understand the situation, and I want to help. What if he was a, a utility player? Yeah, <laughs> bring look, him back, and he's just bouncing around the infield. Look, that this is this is the cards that you dealt yeah. yourself this year. Uh, none of this would be happening. I mean, yeah. and you know, remember how you know before we we go off with well, guy, they're so much better without him. Let's remember it felt pretty devastating when this happened because yeah. he had been the the real kind of stir in the middle of the lineup for a long time, and it always felt like when he was out, the M's offense just went completely kaput. But can you just imagine if he comes back and they start playing him on a regular basis and they just go in the tank? Oh man! Can you uh, just think about that one yeah. for a second? Yeah, they just start playing bad baseball. You know, guys are out of their roles. They're not playing Finish together. 10, 30. Oh my god! And they and they miss it by like a game. Oh, I mean, it'd be he'd be there. They'd have a hard time. They'd have to trade him and get yeah. rid of all. And and I there's I I I would I'm going to speak for a lot of people in this town. I, they're not going to trade him because there's no way they can a afford it mm-hmm. to anyone. If they could do it, I think would most people agree to trade him? If they could do it, if something if they could fell if, out of the sky that yeah. made it worth their while, but they'd obviously have to eat it all. Mm-hmm. Would would you do it? Would people be in support of that? I think probably at this mm-hmm. point in time, yeah. And I don't know that that's necessary. I think that it, it's clear what the best path is here, which is his range was going anyway. Use this time, convert him into a first baseman, and have him ready for next year. Meanwhile, he can play. He can help you. He, he, his bat, his presence should be able to help you. I mean, look, what, what if, what if Robinson Cano was on, was, was available on September second, the yeah. day after rosters are sure. set for the, and they said, hey, what he's a, we can get him. Let's get him and have him win some games for no, us in right. September. No, you're right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, but it's not like Ryan Healy's having some disastrous season. Well, that's another Ryan fair Healy, point. He's, he's been yeah. like. What's he done wrong? He's hitting like 260 with like, I want to say 13 home runs and what, 35-odd RBIs? Not like he's had a terrible season. Ryan Healy, he deserves a a chance to play every day. Do they ever go to Cano and does Cano come to them and say, look, shut me down, man. Let's just say I'm I'm coming back next spring. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue in this story. This is fun. All right, Lunch with Listeners brought to you by the Other Coast Cafe. You can sound off on this one. The poll question, great result on that one. Uh, but if you want to dial us up at 286-9595-1-800-829-0950, what should the Mariners do with Robinson Cano when he comes back? If you have a thought and an opinion, join us on the phone lines uh, coming up next lunch with listeners after.
Neil Scott. Boy, he is prepared for the last hour on this update. It's coming up next. It's spectacular.